Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas app, Veritas Catholic Network mobile app, so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell, and do all that fun stuff. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Christopher Bell. And for those of you who do not know Christopher Bell, this is a very, very important conversation for you guys to listen to, because uh, Chris Bell does a wonderful thing. He is the co-founder and executive director of Good Council Homes, and we're going to talk about that and what Chris does. Good Council is a nationally recognized nonprofit leader and innovator in creating supportive residential care and community-based services for homeless, expectant, and new mothers and their children in the context of the Catholic social tradition pregnant and expectant mothers with or without other born children, including mothers with mental health or addiction challenges from any location are able to receive help in a good council home. Good Council was founded in 1985, and its outreach program continues to this day. Good Council is now uh, has five homes, four, three. In, oh, excuse me, three homes in New York's uh, in New York County's Bronx, Richmond, Westchester, and in Burlington County, New Jersey, outside of Camden, very near Philadelphia, just to name a few. Um, and among the many accomplishments of Good Council Homes, 7,800 mothers and children helped since 1985. 1,236 babies born to mothers living at Good Council Homes since 1985. In 2020, they had 30 new births. Thank the Lord. Over 755,000 days of help and nights of shelter have been provided to homeless mothers and their children. And that's just to name a few. Christopher Bell. Welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you both very much. It's great to be here with you. Uh, Chris, our custom is we always begin with a prayer because all good things start with a prayer. And this is a very good thing. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So I guess a good place to start, Chris, is as Joe said, you were the co-founder of Good Council Homes with Father Benedict Groeschel. What inspired you to start this organization? Well, I was living and working in Times Square, helping homeless and runaway kids at a shelter. And I was shocked to find women who were pregnant or with kids coming in the door of this crisis center. And the first mother I met, I asked her, why are you here? How come you're here with your baby? And she said, well, Chris, when I found out I was pregnant, I was happy. I told my boyfriend, he told me where to go to get rid of this thing. And then she said, when my baby was born, my Mother said I should be out on my own. Uh, she said she couldn't do it because you know she knew it was a baby. She couldn't do what the boyfriend wanted. But then when she was alone, she looked at me and said, can you help me? Can you help us? And I instinctively said yes, but I quickly found out that at that time and even today, for those who don't know about a good council home, there really isn't much out there. Women wind up going into welfare hotels or shelters. Uh, it's just difficult and there's no opportunity to go back to school to find a job. So when I saw more and more women coming in, and this was in the late 70s, the early 80s, I turned to Father Benedict, who became my spiritual director, and I said, why doesn't somebody do something to help them? You know, and he was a, a psychologist and also an author. And, uh, you know, this was before he was very well known. 
but he certainly had a lot of good common and spiritual sense. And he said, I'll help you. And when he said, I'll help you, I, I really felt afraid because then I realized, oh my, I had this vision of a mountain of diapers. And I said, you know, I, I was single. I was uh, 27, never married. I hadn't changed that many diapers. But I thought then also, if it was God who was saying start a home, that he would help me over that mountain and through the valleys and whatever challenges and tribulations we'd run into. And that's really the genesis of Good Counsel Homes. Chris, I live in that mountain of diapers. I have four children under six, so I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, isn't it funny, though, how when, you know, you say yes to God, as you clearly did in a very radical way, he provides, and he clearly provided for you. Look where you are today. It's amazing. It really is. It's uh, beyond description because the Lord is speaking to all of us, right? You know, I was thinking uh, recently of St. Patrick and how he heard the voice say escape as he was a, uh, you know, a slave in Ireland as a young boy. And he listened and miraculously, he not only escaped successfully, but he got back to Britain where he lived. And then he heard the voice later say, be a priest. And he followed that voice. And then go back, go back to the people that enslaved you. God didn't only say that to Patrick. He's speaking to you and me and everybody listening to us today. The first challenge is, am I listening? And today with the pandemic and people locked down and you know less entertainment, I thought from last year, maybe more people will hear his voice. And certainly some people have. Mm -hmm. But sadly... Apparently, many more people are not listening, are not hearing, are not making the time and, and hearing what he's saying. But when you do listen, when you do hear, like St. Joseph, you know, who well, we don't have one word quoted of St. Joseph, but we have his actions. He, he had a dream and he acted, right? First, take Mary as your wife. He did. And an incredible story yes my my engaged uh, woman is pregnant and it's not from me but he listened and obeyed and then save the child you know Herod is going to kill him so he goes to Egypt a, a land he didn't know all these things incredible yet in following the voice of God how miraculous and how wonderful are the results and that's true in all of our lives, if we can listen. You, Absolutely. You mentioned Father Benedict. I, I knew him well, too. Um, and I'm sure, I, I think he will become a saint. Matter of fact, I'm sure of it. Um, he was a very holy man, um, very normal. That's the thing I loved about him. He was just a very normal person. I'll tell you a little personal story about him. Um, I was working uh, with the missionaries of charity in India, and he had gone there. I didn't know that. So I wrote him a letter, and there was a, a priest in India who um, I was trying to raise some money for. And uh, I just, you know, I don't know him from Adam. I write the guy a letter. So one day I'm in my apartment. It was, you know, in the morning, and all of a sudden my phone rings, and it was him on the phone. He calls me, and I don't. he's like, Joseph, this is Father ben I, I almost like, it was almost like the voice of God. I almost dropped the phone. It scared me. <laughs> and he, he was just like, I cannot help you with regard to bringing this man on my show, because that's what I asked him to do, to potentially solicit money for what he was trying to do. But I will give you $1,000. And he wrote me a check for $1,000. That's a God's honest truth. I'll never forget that. It was such a personal act. Like, and he at the time was very famous. This is at the peak of his fame. New York priest, known all over the world. EWTN. The whole deal. He yeah. didn't even know me. And he called me and he gave me a thing. I actually said, don't send it to me. I said, I was like, please, Father, I don't want your money. He's like, no, no, I'll send you it. And that's the truth. I mean, it's and true. I'm sure there's a million people out there who have stories like like that. How has he? Uh, how has Father Benedict impacted your life and your ministry, Chris? Oh, well, looking back, I realize now if he didn't say 
he would help me, uh, I would have been nowhere. Who was I? I was, uh, you know, a, a young man who said he was going to help homeless women and children. It, it, even in the late mid eighties, we opened in 1985. It just sounds, you know, I, I didn't think it was so strange, but you know, it wasn't the most uh, common thing you'd expect. And then to knock on, on, you know, priest doors and rectories and say, will you let me speak in your parish? Well, again, you know, having his name, he, he was, that's why he's co-founder, you know, helping me from the beginning, becoming our first chairman, uh, it would have never taken off. Absolutely not. And uh, and then beyond that, his guidance through the trials and tribulations that uh, you can't imagine, uh, especially with the difficult situations that we, we face. He was certainly always solid, as you say, very practical, uh, whether it was not just about money, it was about whether it was plumbing or um, psychotherapy, he, he had an answer. He had a really good answer. He knew electricians, he, he knew people who could donate food, and just incredible. And that's how God blessed him. Uh, he not only gave him incredible um, knowledge you know, and intellect, but practical wisdom, which you don't often find. You can find great teachers, you know, great authors, um, great even uh, counselors. But to also have practical wisdom to, you know, deal with, uh, you know, problems, um, I, I think it's unique. It's unique. You know, as our Lord said, you will know them by their fruit. And when you look at, let's say, for argument's sake, the Franciscan Friars or the Renewal, common friends of ours, of course, uh, the CFRs and the work that they do. Um, not just in the pro-life movement, uh, you know, but as far as like when you look at St. Anthony Shelter in the Bronx, when you look at what they do down in Newark, you see all this good fruit from Father Groeschel, who was the founder of the Franciscan Fires of the Renewal, okay, or one of the original uh, founders. So it's it's it really is a beautiful thing. It's 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 so important that uh, like Joe mentioned to to realize that this guy is probably going to be a saint, and mostly because of his example, the example that he set. And if he was here right well, now. We I'm sorry. I was going to say, if he was here right now, he said, that's because I'm from Jersey City. <laughs> that's what he would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when when we started, we, we took in any mom who was in need. And I quickly found out how difficult it was to deal with women who have psychiatric problems, uh, deep emotional problems. And so we tried to backpedal a little bit and just not take in women who were that in need. And I realized too many years later, what a mistake that is, because the women who need the help the most have psychological problems, have drug addiction problems, have alcohol problems. And it, it was only, again, through Father Benedict, when I said, we need to start a home just for women with mental health and addiction problems. And he told me to write to a, a doctor, a psychologist at another hospital nearby. And it was, it was uh, again, you know, a guide because that particular medical director said he had put on his list of goals for this year to help mothers, to help mothers with psychiatric problems, particularly homeless mothers. So again, God put us together and, uh, and we opened up our, our Daystar home. From that, we learned that we can take in any pregnant mother in any of our homes, regardless of her mental health addiction issue, uh, regardless of where she's from. And so unfortunately, Good Counsel is one of the few maternity homes in the nation that does literally take in any pregnant mother. So any pregnant mother or anybody who knows of a woman in need who's listening to us throughout the United States, they can call our helpline, which is 24-7-1-800-723-8331. I'll repeat it again. We'll repeat it certainly before we end the show. Uh, but they can call and get help because if they can't come to New York or New Jersey, where our homes are, we'll network with the other maternity homes as best we can to find a place for her and for her baby before and after birth. And that number, I'll say it one more time. We'll say it again later. 1-800-723-8331. They could also go to goodcounselhomes.org and find out more about what we're doing. And that's council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, homes with an S at the end of it, .org. Chris, one of the models of your home is this is not a shelter, it's a home. Could you elaborate on that? I think that's very important. 
Well, actually, one of the moms was being interviewed for you know one of our online tapes. And again, you can go to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and like us and see our tapes there, as well as goodcounselhomes.org. And she said, this is not a shelter. This is a home. <laughs> it spoke to us uh, because she's right. We try to make it a family. So a mom could come anytime during her pregnancy and we'll evaluate her in terms of what she'd like to do uh, educationally. If she hasn't finished high school, half the women haven't finished. So they're going back to school. Now, obviously it's online, but they're still going back to school or they can uh, go into college or uh, or start a job. Many of our moms become home health aides. I'll tell you a quick story about that in a minute. Uh, and, and during the year that they're with us, you know, we eat dinner like a family together, like a family should, right? One or two moms cook dinner for all the rest when they, you know, are finished with school or work. And then afterwards, we might have a life skill program. So I was taking a, a priest friend of mine, Father George, uh, first time he was in our home, it was in the South Bronx. Uh, it was eight o'clock on a Friday night. And uh, we're walking her in the daycare area and there are kids. Why are there kids on a Friday night? Because moms work late. This was when uh, this is before the lockdown, you know, women were out working. And so we extend our free daycare for the moms so they can go back to school and work. And so uh, uh, Destiny, one of the little girls there, she comes running up to me and I grab her and I hug her and uh, I put her down. Uh, and then she never had seen Father George before. He was wearing his collar, but she doesn't see that many priests. We do have mass in the homes, but it's not that often. She goes running up to him and leaps in his arms. And at that moment, I realized what Jesus meant when he said, you have to have faith like a little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven because destiny had no fear, no concern, no question that father wasn't going to grab her and hold her and protect her and not hurt her in any way. And that's what our heavenly father wants us to, to do. He wants us to leap into his arms with any problem, any concern, any thought that we have that's troubling, just give it to him because he takes care of everything. Well, after that, we went upstairs and this is the, the part about uh, working in school and stuff. Uh, so there's a mom who just got off of work. Uh, her, her name uh, was Debbie. And Debbie said, um, you know, it's Friday night and she's kind of tired. Uh, and I said, well, at least you can, you know, rest tomorrow. It's Saturday. And she said, no, I, I've got to go to work Saturday too. But she said it with a smile on her face. And I realized that she's happy about going to work. Well, she wasn't so happy the year before when she came to us pregnant because she had another little toddler. And when she told the father of both of her children that she was expecting again, he kicked her in the stomach. And he told her to get rid of the baby. And when she came to us, she was so disgusted, so distraught, thinking this man loved her, would love her children that she didn't even know if she wanted the baby. Well, of course, we held her hand. We talked to her. We told her, look, you've got such a beautiful little girl. Of course, God is going to send you, you know, a child because God trusts you. And uh, she, you know, went to take a home health aid certificate program. She got it in a couple of months. And then she gave birth to a baby boy. And that just made her even happier. Beautiful. And after a couple of months when she, she bonded, uh, she went to work. She got a job because there's a great demand for home health aides. And now she's been doing this, you know, almost a year. And she's telling me that she thinks she'd like to go into nursing because she thinks she has a facility to work with the sick, with the elderly. She enjoys her work and she loves her children. You know what, and she was you, able to move out on her own. Yeah. You know what's so beautiful about what you do, amongst other things, Chris, is you, you, you and Good Counsel Homes and the people that work there and extend this, this hand to these women who are in need. It blows up the narrative that we hear all the time that pro-life people are only worried about the babies when they're in the womb, not when they're outside the womb. We're not care. We don't care about the mothers. We don't have to say a word, or all we have to do is respond to that stupid argument with three words, good counsel homes, and then direct them to the website if they want to see exactly what it is that good Catholics are doing 
In other words, to, to let's say for argument's sake, not that we have to prove anything to them, but to show that, no, we are pro-life. We, we are for extending oh. a hand to all these big so, women who are in such bad shape. A hundred percent. I mean, you could, uh, you certainly, again, you could look for good counsel homes on, on YouTube and see our videos on Instagram, on Facebook, please like us on Facebook. Uh, but you could just put in maternity home videos or story. And there are more than 200 throughout the U S and who else, who else is taking care of women in crisis pregnancies? And we know, you know, that the organizations that want to say we uh, are offering full reproductive care they just want to sell an abortion abortion is big business and what does an abortion do even for the women who say i don't want this baby i don't want this baby they are left scarred for life because we see women 10 20 30 years later i see women who are calling me who are in nursing homes regretting their abortion and not only the women but men who were suffering silently because they paid for encouraged or were too negligent and allowed an abortion and because we know of that pain and suffering and half the women who come to good counsel fully half of them have had at least one abortion and when they're pregnant the second time very often within two years they would do anything to give birth because they do not want to go through that experience again and i saw that from the very beginning from the first two moms who came into us how they suffered because they had a previous abortion and what are we offering not only we at good counsel but the pro-life movement as a whole we're offering women to get the help the assistance the encouragement to give life and have life for themselves and a new life for themselves and if they truly do not wish to raise a child you and i know hundreds of people willing and able to adopt any baby even babies with special needs there is no child who will be born who could not be adopted and again you could call me contact me at goodcounselhomes.org and you have a child or you want to plan an adoption no problem but that's not all we do most of our moms parent they're planning to parent their children and they do but for the women who really are intent on not giving birth you have to consider the ramifications because not only are there physical problems women do die from abortion the, the tragedies are dozens every year yeah it's a small percentage of the many but it doesn't matter if you're that percentage and and even worse the scarring for life of having to live with it live with that notion that i killed my baby mm. and I, I, it's it's you, you you know god forgives and that's the other message we have to say is that yes for those who are listening who've had an abortion for those who paid for it and encouraged helped an abortion anyway god can forgive you don't want to have to seek that forgiveness if you if you're in the position to make the decision now i've had women tell me i know god forgives and they go schedule an abortion right. you know it's, it's like, funny that's not the point that's not the point i mean i remember when i was 19 uh one of my best friends he uh, went into the service and he got his girlfriend pregnant at the time we were just off the hook young guys um and he tells me that he's gonna marry her and he's gonna have this baby. And I remember sitting in it, you know, it comes from his mother's from Italy, traditional Italian family. I'm sitting in the living room and I'm like, I can't believe, I was I didn't say anything, but the thoughts in my head, like that you're gonna have this kid. I, I'm gonna be honest, at 19, that was me. And then he wound up getting married. He's still married. He has four sons and a grand, uh, daughter now and I remember years later in the same place in his mother's house seeing his son and I said to myself at the time I was a little older in my 20s I said I would have encouraged him to have an abortion and here is this child in front of me and it was almost like you know at the time I'll be honest with you I, I don't even think I was that serious about my own faith but it was just a reality check of I'm in the same place years later looking at a child that I basically would have said to him if he asked me get rid of it and then here it is this is real mm -hmm. 
I mean, like, like it's, it was a person. I always remember that. I mean, this is, I'm 50 years old. I still remember that thought. Chris, while, while we have about, before the break, we have about five minutes left. While we're on the male side of the equation, okay, uh, we were going to ask this later, but we might as well ask it now, okay? Um, how does abortion affect the men in your experience? Let our audience know about that. Obviously, Joe just told you a story about him as, let's say, a spectator to it. What about the men who are involved? They've impregnated the woman. How, how, what's your experience with them? Well, Good Counsel started a, an abortion recovery program called Lumina, right? Lumina means light. And again, you can find out more about Lumina uh, going online or looking at goodcounselhomes.org. And it's not only for women, not only for the women in Good Counsel Homes, it's for women across the country and for men, because we do know that men, willingly or unwillingly encouraging that abortion. And, and by that, I mean, some men we've now come to know, we have healing retreats for men. We've had count, numerous counseling sessions and groups. Some men didn't even know their girlfriend or their wife was pregnant. And they find out later, or I've met, I've met more than one guy who wasn't sure. I think, you know, I didn't know she was taking pills. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. They say they suspect. Can you imagine living with the uncertainty that maybe a girl you were with had your child aborted? And then there are men who marry a, a girl who previously had an abortion. And because of her suffering with that experience now many years later it affects their marriage not in such a happy way so again god forgives and there's healing and there is hope whether you come to lumina or another abortion recovery program it's a process because men suffer too and not only men but siblings we know and we've got groups for siblings sons and daughters who realize their brother or sister was aborted before or after them. There's sometimes survival guilt. There's sometimes thoughts with, would I have even been conceived? There's thoughts with my name have been different. There's anger, resentment, confusion. You can only imagine. And truly, an abortion affects everyone in the family because, let's face it, if I'm the grandpa or I'm the aunt or the uncle who loves my niece or nephew, the loss of their child is a loss of another member of our family. It's our whole family. So yeah, abortion has a wide web. And now with more than 60 million now, some people say 60 million, it's a common operation, the most common operation, elective surgery in the country. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's helping. Think of the millions of people the people who we could be talking to, working with, collaborating with, the relatives, because every single adult in the U.S. knows someone. If you know more than five women, you know someone personally, whether they've told you or not, who has had an abortion. And that's why it's important for everybody listening to say, you know, there is healing after an abortion. And, and God forgives. And tell them about Lumina. Tell them about abortion recovery programs. You could find them online. Just drop it into a, a conversation because you will be part of a healing, hopeful chain in life. And people will tell you right away, no, I had an abortion. It doesn't bother me. You say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's how you feel, but I'm sorry for your loss. And if they say, no, it doesn't bother me. We'll say, let me just give you this information. You never know because very often it's years later somebody will pick out that information or go on a site and call us or call someone else and then start that healing process because the loss of anyone whom we know and i know this i don't know if we have enough time to finish this quick story about my mom we got i we got about we got about 30 seconds to the break chris um well let, let, yeah let's let's pick up the story about your up, mom uh, after the break i think okay. another another great resource obviously for women in the same situation uh that you're describing sisters of life rachel's family. that's right that's Rachel, right 
We did an interview uh, that's on our YouTube and Facebook page with Teresa Bonapartis. Um, so, yes. you know, th these are important things in this culture war because abortion is central to the culture war that we can't let them get away with saying the things about us that are just not true. And you're obviously embodying that. So stick with us, Christopher Bell. You're at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial serving the New York metropolitan area. Please make sure you download the Veritas app, Veritas Catholic Network app. You can find that in your Play Store and follow Joe and I on YouTube and Facebook at the front line with Joe and Joe. Stick around. We got more with Chris Bell coming right up. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. And we are way into the breach with Christopher Bell from Good Council Homes. And we're on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please make sure you download the Veritas app, Veritas Catholic Network app, so you can have access to all of our content. So we're talking about Chris Bell, Good Council Homes, taking care of women who are, who are pregnant after they've given birth the whole nine yards. So, Chris, you were telling a story about your mom. We uh, had to take a break. Let's continue with that. Sure. sure. Uh, and, and let me just repeat for anyone who's anxious and, and maybe can't stay the whole uh, next segment here. Uh, good counsel homes, if you want information, if, if you know a woman in crisis pregnancy, you know somebody who's dealing with abortion difficulties afterwards, you know, they're suffering silently. Uh, you can go to good counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, homes.org. That's homes with an S at the end of it.org. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. We got channels there. So please share that message. My mom uh, told me when I was 21 that she had a miscarriage before I was born. And I didn't know that. And when she's telling me this, obviously she's much older. It's, it's more than 20 years since that miscarriage. She had tears coming down her eyes. And I realized then that a, a woman feels that loss, even if it's not their fault, because it is their baby. And it seemed also obvious a woman, even if she wants to have that abortion, even if she had that abortion, she does know she lost her baby. And how can we, you know, not feel that that sense of grief from somebody, even if we didn't meet, but we know we had a love for them because they're part of us. They're literally physically a part of us. And that's true for men as well as for women. So my mom opened that up to me before I really got involved in anything that I would say was pro-life, years before we started Good Council Homes. And uh, today, you know, one of the, the benefits of being in the pro-life movement, uh, one of the outcomes of trying to grow in our respect for life as a country, as we're trying to educate more people, is that we recognize those couples who lose a child early on before birth or at birth and what do we do we want to name the babies and even for those who've had an abortion to name the children and uh, to pray and ask the lord for mercy on our children just like we would on anyone we love who's gone home to god uh, so these are things that we can now know. We speak about a lot more. My mom was told, don't worry, Louise, you know, you're young. You can have another child. She had me. Uh, she had another, you know, my other brother, younger. But that's not the right thing to say to a woman. The, the truth is to recognize, yes, you've lost someone you love. Let's let's name him or her. Let's uh, and now at Good Counsel, we've had uh, funeral services. We've buried babies who were miscarried because we know that there's a child there. And even if the mom, uh, once it happened, she didn't want to attend the service. Actually, she was still in the hospital. She didn't want to wait. She wanted us to bury her son 
right away and we did, but that gave her a great relief to know that somebody showed respect to her child and prayed for her child. And when we told her in the hospital, what a big smile she had, even though it was a very sad moment. You know, Chris, I think it's important. I mean, obviously, as Catholics, we're pro-life. I think the obstacle to some of the things that you're talking about, if someone hears our voice that maybe had an abortion, is the reality of saying what I did. You see, people rationalize things. And, and to say out of your mouth that I killed somebody or I, I took a life is too much to overcome. And that's why it's so important that the Catholic Church does not condemn, nor did Christ. And to be honest with you, you're carrying a burden that God will take from you. He loves you. You see, it's so important. I mean, I think because Joe and I were involved in, in, you know, the culture war, we've been doing a lot of podcasting and, and a lot of talking, but ultimately God is love and he loves everybody, no matter what you did. And, 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 and that is, I think, like the, the intellectual versus the, the reality of what keeps someone from actually saying this. Could you address that? Because if you ask me, I think that's the overwhelming factor that prevents someone from putting down this burden that they're carrying. Well, I, I think, Joe, you, you've probably got a great story yourself to share from your early 20s when you know in your mind or 19 in your mind you're saying boy my buddy shouldn't have this baby now get rid of it and then in a few years later you saw this little life and even then you may not have been more religious but it hit you the incarnation of this little life is here and what a beautiful boy and i'm sure he was a happy boy and now god bless your your friend who married the girl and and, and had now they have a, a bigger family um to grow in that relationship with God is a gift of grace, and we have to work either for it or against it, and that's true in everybody's life, isn't it? Because these opportunities of grace, God speaking to us, God putting people in our lives, people may be listening to us right now who are cursing at us, you know, like you go down the, the highway with your pro-life bumper sticker and somebody's honking the horn and, and making gestures that I wouldn't do on air or. I, I'm certainly, we'd, I'm certainly we'd call those one of the tolerant types. Go ahead. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it happens, right. And, and now I have a much, much deeper sense of pity because, uh, I mean, even on Facebook, you get the odd guys, I'm Catholic, I'm pro-choice, or, uh, or I never believed in it, I don't believe in God, I'm pro that. It's like, um, I'm sorry, you know, if, if you open up your heart a little bit, um, you realize there's a lot to life, a lot of li to life to learn. And I'm saying this about me as well as I know you would say the same thing. And everybody listening to us, right? There's so much more we can learn about what love is, and what life is. And I've come to say, you know, God is love. We know that from St. John saying it so beautifully. God is love. And if God is love, God creates life because that's what God does all around us. There is not one blade of grass, not one rose that is the same. Every, And that means even us, right? Every single human being unique and unrepeatable. And where there's life, there's creativity, because that's what God puts into you and me and everyone else. Because you got to be creative to grow up, to survive, uh, to expand, to just live life. You're going to be creative. And we have creativity. You run into difficulties, but that's where there's hope. So love and life and creativity and hope are what makes the world what it is and that comes from a loving god and why do some people see that and embrace it you know moses said choose life so that you and your children would live why did he say so that you and your children would live because if you don't choose life then yes you are choosing extermination and throughout history and we don't have to go into a big biblical or historical view but there's always been this battle it's not it is good and evil it's it's life and death right why do so many cultures you know the egyptians the romans the greeks why did they kill their children whom they didn't like why did so many expose their children why did the aztecs sacrifice 
men, women, and children to their gods. You know, and these were high, sophisticated, well-run, otherwise societies, just like the United States. We are the most advanced culture in human history. We have the most advanced medical techniques. And why would we ever say kill a child? So I'll tell you a story about a, a young mom, Carmela, who called us and was terrified because she was told by her doctor that the baby she was carrying had a defect in every single cell in his body. And he told her to get rid of it. Now, why would any doctor ever say that today? Even though in this strongly you know, pro-abortion state of New York, in this country that uh, you know, pays for so many abortions. Why would that recommend that? Because there's so much that can be done even with children in utero. We're operating on children in utero and, and very often doctors are wrong. So they say there's a defect with the child or they have Down syndrome or this or that. And they're wrong, absolutely wrong. Now, sometimes they are right, but mo many times they're wrong. In fact, in my experience in my lifetime, I've been told more misdiagnosis than correct diagnosis. But in Carmela's case, she doesn't even have a high school education, but she was smart enough to know that was wrong. And she had to almost fight away out of the doctor's office, the nurse and other people telling her, don't have this baby. And she found good counsel online because she knew she needed a place to live because nobody was going to help her. Certainly not the father of her child in this case. So when she, of course, we took her in and we helped her and we found another medical institution that would help her and we held her hand and we prayed with her because she wanted to pray. She wanted God's help. And the day her son was born, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen because they couldn't fully assure us, even the other medical clinic, that the baby would be okay. The fears of the doctor were unfounded. Her son had a hole in his heart, a little hole that needed two operations the first two months of his life. But these are common operations. This is going on regularly now in the United States with a child. And by the time he was one year old, and running around as a toddler in our daycare where his mom was still going to work, he looked like every other one-year-old. You couldn't even see the scars on his little chest that where the operations occurred. So, you know, why is it that we have such a negative attitude to a children who would be different? And to tell you even more of this picture where children are born with special needs. And yes, we've had moms born, uh, give birth to children whose um, son or daughter has autism or Down syndrome. And, <coughs> excuse me, and, and what do we find? We find these mothers are beautiful moms. And, and like one mom said to me, I just hope I'm a good mom for my son who has autism, and she was a great mom. Uh, I'll tell you about her in a minute. I just got to take a drink. I'm running out of a voice here. Oh, that's all right. Well, Chris, one thing I would ask you is you mentioned that Carmela wanted to pray, okay? Um, you mentioned, of course, God. How is God and prayer intertwined into the daily life uh, of good council homes? So like Mother Teresa, we don't want to force God on anybody coming in, but our moms mostly believe in God, but they're not well-formed. They haven't gone to church, any church, or haven't read the Bible. Um, so there's usually a lot of guilt, a feeling that God's going to judge them in a negative way. And, and that's part of uh, maybe the most important work we're doing at Good Counsel is sharing that God is a loving father mm. who cares about all his children, meaning you, mom, and, and your, your baby. And then our loving God is here to help you through your whole life. And Isabel, who's a wonderful mom who came to us, you know, all our moms are coming because the fathers of their children say, I don't want you get rid of the baby. Just like that. Well, Isabel, while she was with us, she got a job in Manhattan with special needs children. And she loved going to work and she loved those kids. And she moved out into her own apartment and she'd get up at 5 a.m. and get her son ready for the day. And he'd go off to daycare. She'd go off to work at night. She'd run and pick him up and go home and have dinner. And 
we've been in touch with Isabel for many years. Uh, well, by the time her son was turning four, she noticed something different about him and, and dealing with special needs kids, she knew right where to go and she got him tested. Turns out he does have autism. And at first she was shocked, like you might expect. But then she said to me, Chris, I realize God was preparing me for uh, my son to be the best mom I could be for him. So I, I certainly not only love him, like I always loved him, but I know what to do for him because I, I deal with special needs kids. So now, Chris, real, real quick, because we, we have about, we probably have a little bit over 10 minutes. Um, and we want to get into, because obviously we're talking to the audience of the Veritas Catholic Network, Connecticut, Long Island, Westchester, okay? Um, Joe wanted to get into it. We all want to get into it. Because you're on the front line, literally. I mean, Joe and I are the front line with Joe and Joe, but you're storming the machine gun next. We want to talk a little bit. Uh, go ahead, Joe. I yeah, basically, uh, Chris, because obviously our audience is a New York metropolitan uh, audience. Um, the Reproductive Act that was passed January 22nd, 2019 um, by Governor Cuomo. It is by far the most radical uh, legislation since Roe, uh, which was passed in 1973. And I don't think a lot of people know the particulars about it. One of which is a doctor does not have to perform an abortion on a woman. Also that we can abort a child in the third trimester. We are one of seven nations on the globe that permits that. What could the average pro-life New Yorker do to reverse this terrible piece of legislation? I know that you, um, as well as Joe Pasillo, go down to lower Manhattan to protest uh, with Father Fidelis um, prayerfully in front of abortion clinics. But outside of that, not everyone is going to do that. Obviously, we could vote properly. Obviously, we could pray. But what can the average person do in the New York metropolitan area to change this? Because I like to believe that the average person is not for such pieces of legislation. I, I really believe that. Well, you know, if you, if you want to do one simple and say, uh, I just found out about this horrible act, I want you to reverse it. But the real work, the real work is to begin to get more active in the pro-life movement, to go online. There's a ton of resources. Just go online, look up Reproductive Freedom Act uh, in New York State, find out more about that, how horrible it is. Find out more about life, where there are resources for women in crisis pregnancies, where there's resources for those who are suffering after an abortion, and, and start to talk about it, get involved. And praying prayer, prayerfully peacefully in front of an abortion mill is not that hard. I mean, it takes not much energy. It's a, it could be emotionally challenging. Chris, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I want you to stay there one second, okay? Yeah. The importance of that witness, okay? Now, what I heard in my experience down there and what we're talking about for all the audience members of Veritas Catholic Network, um, on the first Saturday of every month, there is a mass at Old St. Patrick's Cathedral down on Mott Street, and then we process after Mass, prayerfully praying the rosary in front of the abortion clinic two blocks away on the corner of Bleecker, okay? But Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but, and the importance of this is why I, we are, Joe and I are trying to encourage people to pray in front of abortion clinics. Aside from the legislation that we know is atrocious, okay, what's the no-show rate? I heard the no-show rate of women going in for an abortion at Planned Parenthood when they see the prayer warriors there is well over 50%. Now, maybe you know about that or can verify that for me, but that alone, if one person didn't walk into Planned Parenthood, if one woman didn't walk in to have an abortion, isn't it worth your hour to pray the rosary? Oh. I want you to talk about that a little bit, about the importance in, yeah, but, in real terms, because if, if that's true, if the numbers are true, then you're saving babies by just being there. Uh, well, well, absolutely. We know. We know from real stories of uh, women driving up to pro-lifers on the sidewalk years later and saying, this is my son who I was scheduled to go in for an abortion, but I saw you or I saw somebody there and, uh, and I drove away. So 
we will never know the real percent. I've heard that 50% uh, number used before. Um, uh, actually, in a recent court filing, um, some abortionists claimed because uh, people were praying out in front of their, they lost 40% of their business. They're trying Good. to get that back. Good. So, yeah, we're, it's, we're it's happy they lost their business. Yeah, yeah. Not a business you're but, supposed to be in. You can find a better business if you're a doctor. So, you know, there's two things, though, to for every person to remember. If you're in front of an abortion mill, whether you're holding a rosary or not, you're just standing there and you're quietly praying, just quietly praying, even by yourself, the babies who are being aborted know, because now they're with the Lord, that somebody was there with them at that moment who loved them. So you cannot discount that spiritual connection of love and sacrifice. And secondly, there are women today who have said to counselors that their baby died alone. And the counselors can ask, did you see anybody praying out front? Was there anybody there? And very often they say yes. And the strangest thing that they say is, I remember their eyes. Now, you know that most of the time the women are looking down, they're rushing in, they are doing everything they can to avoid eye contact with anybody who appears to be opposed to what they're doing. But I know and can tell you that some of those women, when they're seeking help years later, actually looked. And because you were there, they can be somewhat comforted knowing their baby did not die alone. So beyond stopping abortions, you're even helping those babies who were aborted and those mothers who are now seeking help. Uh, there is never a loss in your time or effort in being there praying quietly or with a group, no matter how big or small, um, and trying to counsel or offer literature to the women going in to give them an opportunity to turn around. Um, because I know women also have said, I wish somebody was there. I've met women who said nobody was there. I was alone. If I saw someone, I would not have gone in. You know, so you know Chris, I the power of the rosary, that is it. You know, I on, on our shows, I always say, I don't know, I say this sadly, if America has the political will to change Roe, but I will say this, the Blessed Mother will. I am utterly convinced of it. And I say that, again, I'll tell you another personal story. My daughter, uh, the oldest of my four children, my wife and I always pray the rosary. During the rosary was the first time I saw my daughter. I actually saw her kick in the womb. That's the first time praying the rosary, my hand up in my, the, my first child. Um, that is the truth. The rosary is the weapon. And even if, because many people, you're, it is an easy thing to do. Pray the rosary and dedicate it to the end of row. Our lady hears our voice and she will change this wrong. There's no question in my mind. I am convinced of that. Well, we can't leave it to men and women. No, but I don't, and I don't anymore. But I am convinced of that, that it will be through Our Lady, particularly uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is an image of the Blessed Mother pregnant. That's the image that's always present at, uh, at Planned Parenthood that they use, is always praying behind the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So I think that is important, too. One, to pray the rosary, but to, to pray that rosary uh, for the end of abortion, and I am convinced that that will be the case, and that is how Roe will be turned taken down. But I want to throw a couple questions at you, Chris, because this is stuff that gets thrown out in the culture, and you definitely have probably heard these responses, and I think our audience needs to hear them from you. Um, if someone said a fetus doesn't have moral va like a value in the first trimester. This is like, you know, pro-choice people say things like that. What would you say? Well, you have to look at the science and, and then there's theology and then there's just life. I mean, we all begin as, you know, a, a little uh, uh, dot, right? Uh, the moment the sperm hits the egg, all 46 chromosomes are there. So scientifically, 
You know, the fact that that we were going to lose our hair was already there at that first moment of conception. Uh, the fact that we might have uh, diabetes or uh, a proclivity towards cancer or that we'd be fast or tall uh, or certainly brown eyes or brown a color of our hair. All of that is there at the moment of conception. And you have to stop that life um, to to prevent it. Uh, and because naturally that life is going to grow. And within the first 30 days of your life from conception, you grow and develop more than at any other time in your entire life. If you live to be 110 years old. Uh, and again, that's medical science telling us that. And so I also believe, and this is not, you know, uh, church teaching and it's, uh, some Christians disagree, but at that moment of conception, I believe that's when the soul is, is there because God makes you unique. You're unique and you're unique for the rest of your life. Your soul is there. Your guardian angel is there. You know, your spiritual life it begins there. And we know, as you just said, you know, the, you saw the baby, your first child kick in the womb. You know, John the Baptist kicked in the womb, you know, uh, when Jesus was in his presence. So it's not an accident. Just blow up another narrative for us in the last few minutes that we have left. Only 3% of Planned Parenthood's business is abortion. Please destroy that nonsense for our audience. Well, well Planned Parenthood, uh, they claim every little thing they do. They they ask you questions about your health as a medical exam. They, uh, they do uh, really nothing. They don't do breast exams, so they don't do anything regarding uh, uh, breast cancer at all. Um, but they do a lot of little things that they add up into this list. And so abortion, you know, is just 3%, but it's more than half of their income, you know? So uh, however you want to slice it, it's where they, they're getting their money from. Mm -hmm. So um, it's horrible. And they're doing a, a fully a third of all surgical abortions in the U.S. I'm not sure of the percentage of um, pill abortions that they're doing now. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. Their mission is to eliminate or prevent as many people from being on the face of the earth as possible. Why? Well, you know, that's a whole nother story, but that's what they do. And that's what they've been doing for a century. And, you know, the 60 million surgical abortions we count uh, are pale in comparison to how many children die by so-called contraceptive. And this is another big issue we should get into another time because the so-called contraceptive pill does not, does not prevent conception. Mm -hmm. Therefore, babies are conceived and then sloughed off. And many people do not know that. You're not responsible for what you're unaware of. And yes, God forgives. So go to goodcounselhomes.org for more information about women in crisis pregnancies, about healing and hope after an abortion. And that's counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, homes with an S at the end of it, dot O-R-G. You can like us on Facebook, Good Counsel Homes. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram uh, or uh, other social media. And certainly, uh, if you want to help us, we need your help. We survive only on private donations. So you can make donations at goodcouncilhomes.org, or you can look us up. Uh, we have an office now in Secaucus, uh, and we have homes in New York and New Jersey, Good Council Homes. So please be in touch. Please spread the word. And all of us uh, you know, who want to pray, Please pray that this great and very blessed and wonderful nation of ours will once again turn around to defend, protect, and cherish every single life from the first moment of conception until God-given natural death. Please. Chris, I, Joe's going to take us out, but I just want to say this. One of the, the most poignant parts of this conversation was this for me, and I want to say is, we're there to hold your hand. Sometimes that's all that's needed. That's right. It begins with a small act, and the Catholic Church is there to hold your hand. Keep that in mind. And you don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Catholic. Amen. Amen. That's right. You don't have to be Catholic. So Christopher Bell from Good Counsel Homes, we want to thank you very much, Chris, for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're certainly going to have you back, especially as there's more developments. I, we personally think that the country's moving more pro-life. Let's hope that that's happening. Maybe we can see some legislation, but I think this was a good conversation to, to tell our audience about the things that you are doing 
and the things that we could do to participate and to foster that culture of life. So Chris Bell, thanks for joining us here at the front line. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area at 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. Also, please be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube until they shut us down, of course. And uh, you can find us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, hit that little bell. That's what we're told you have to do if you want more subscribers. And do all that fun stuff. In the meantime, remember until the next time we get together that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.